0: We are called to live faithfully for Jesus, 168 hours a week. Welcome to the
1: Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris.
0: Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast, where we seek to fuel our faith for all 168 hours of the week. We are so thankful that you have joined us for another insightful and applicable episode, and we encourage you to stay tuned. Brother Chris, it's good to have you on again, and how are you today, and what's the agenda for today's episode? Hey,
1: Brother Brandon, it's great to record another episode with you. I'm doing extremely well. It's another day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it.
0: Amen, amen. I'm
1: excited to continue on with this book of James as we're entering into James chapter three today, and we're going to talk about something small but powerful and dangerous, and that's the tongue. We have seen nations rise and fall due to what proceeds out of the mouth of mankind. Therefore, we must learn to tame the tongue, especially as Christians. I remember as a a young person that I had this youth minister that once used a tube of toothpaste as a visual aid to help my youth group understand this point he poured out the toothpaste onto a piece of paper, and he told us to put the toothpaste back into the tube. And guess what we found out? It was impossible to do that. Mm -hmm. And his point was that our words, like the toothpaste in the tube, once they were out, they were impossible to put back in or impossible to take back. And that's something that we should recognize about our speech and what we say, that our Words have a great effect on the environment around us, on the people around us. And so the question would be, what effect are our words causing? Are we lifting people up with what we say or are we tearing them down? Uh, And so let's just look at what James writes concerning the taming of the tongue And, Brother Brandon, if you don't mind, why don't you begin reading in James chapter 3, verse 1 through 2?
0: Absolutely. As we begin our discussion of taming the tongue and the power of our words, we're going to begin right where James does, as Brother Chris said, in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. And he writes this Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach, will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. As James begins this subject of taming the tongue and getting our speech under control, he first gives us a demand for taming the tongue. He sort of makes the case for why we ought to get our speech under control and cultivate a godly talk. Mm-hmm. And he first tells us that God judges the tongue. Now, he doesn't specifically say that the Lord God judges the tongue in verse 1, but through what he says about teaching, he makes it very clear that the Lord is the judge of our speech and mm-hmm. that that is one reason why we need to be careful about what we say. You'll notice he gives a pretty serious warning about becoming a teacher of God's Word. He says, not many of you should become teachers. Now, that's pretty interesting because obviously we know as believers that teaching the Bible and being a Bible teacher are both really important things. They're not bad things at all. But what James is saying here is that becoming a teacher of the Bible may not be a good thing for everyone. Well, why is that? Why would he make such such an extreme statement as this? Well, because those who are teachers of the Bible and those who regularly preach the word are susceptible to stricter judgment from God because they are regularly engaging in the activity that is the hardest to keep from sin, Mm -hmm. namely speaking. And so his caution, his warning is this. Don't become a teacher of the Bible unless you're ready to stand before the Lord and answer for every word you're going to be speaking. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of speaking in teaching. That's what it is. You're using your speech. You're using your tongue a lot. And of course, if you have a passion to do that, it's really good. You know, teaching the Bible is needed. It certainly isn't bad. It's something that all of us need as believers. But... No Christian should pursue this position casually, carelessly, or recklessly, because if you're a teacher of the Bible, you've got a lot more tongue to judge than anyone else. That's really the point here. That's why he says those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So we already know at this point that James is saying the Lord God takes our words very seriously. Those who are doing the most speaking will incur the most judgment for that speaking. And this is in agreement with the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 12. Even he said there that on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Mm -hmm. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Mm -hmm. So even Jesus says that every word That we speak, God is keeping on a roster, and we will have to give an account for it on the day of judgment. Mm -hmm. And so, this is clearly applicable to teachers. They face stricter judgment. Teachers and preachers, we face stricter judgment because we're speaking all the time. That's part of our job. And so again, the general point here is that God is the judge of the tongue. He's the one judging our speech. So we need to be careful about What we say. Now, that's the first point. God judges the tongue. But James also says in verse 2 that the tongue judges us. Who may not have known that the tongue is also a judge of our own character, but it is. And again, he says, We all stumble in many ways in verse 2. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. James basically says here at the beginning, look, we all sin in different ways. We all fall short of the glory of God in a variety of ways. We all stumble. We all stumble. That's a very helpful way to describe sinning, by the way, right. because that's what sinning is. It's stumbling. It's tripping and falling very hard, uh, falling into a snare and, and falling over obstacles of temptation. And he says we stumble and we sin in many ways. And obviously, sinning with our tongue and with our speech is included in the many ways in which we sin. Mm -hmm. And additionally, there are many ways to sin with our speech. Yep. There's lying, flattery, slander, gossip, cursing, crude joking, off-color remarks, shading the truth, arguing needlessly, yelling angrily, and we could come up with quite a longer list. Yeah, And we might also realize that the digital age has also amped up our ability to sin with the tongue. Mm -hmm. Social media and smartphones are simply extensions of ourselves, really virtual microphones to amplify our voices. So we can sin in all the aforementioned ways through Facebook posts, things we share on social media, text messages even, and TikToks. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, the tongue, it's its a pretty wild animal. It's yeah. capable of committing many great sins. And it's no wonder the Puritan Thomas Watson said that God has therefore established two fences to keep the tongue walled in, the teeth and the lips. Yeah, I like that quote. Oh, yeah. Thomas Watson, he's good. Very easy to sin with our tongue. Mm-hmm. That's why James says, look, we all stumble in many ways and... That's why he says, if you're able to control your tongue, then man, you're pretty good. You're Mm -hmm. probably able to control the rest of you. Mm -hmm. He says, if you don't stumble in what you say, you're a perfect man, able also to bridle your whole body. In other words, he's saying, if you've restrained the lion, then you ain't going to have no problem restraining little kittens. Right. If you ever like strained explain that, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. If you have kept your speech under control, the raging lion mm-hmm. behind your teeth, then everything else is gonna be child's play. Mm-hmm. That's because the tongue is the hardest thing to control. And if we get that under control, by God's grace, then everything else is probably falling in line. Right. But as we're gonna talk about in this episode and future episodes, it's really, really hard for us to attain to this, and we really, truly never will attain to absolute perfection. So, Brother Chris, give us some further elaboration on this. Yeah, I, I think what you've mentioned here is,
1: is a really good look at it, and it's really hard to add to that. I think you really covered it very well, but I'll reiterate, don't take leadership positions lightly. It's, it's a weighty thing. Uh, to, to consider a leadership position, especially within the church. You know, it's, it's already a weighty thing when it's in the secular world, like if you're going to become a boss of some sort in some area. But when it comes to the faith and to the church, when you're looking to, to lead, you, you have to not just lead by example, but you have to lead in your words. You use a lot of words. You sure. tell people what to do. And if, you, if that's not a serious thing to you, it's easy to carelessly mess up and lead others astray. And right. so as leaders, our, our words have greater impact and it can lead people in the right direction, or it can lead them in the completely wrong direction. Correct. And if you're careless and not looking out at which way you're going, then people are going to follow you into the same ditch you're about to walk into. And so don't don't take it lightly. Right. And I'll tell you, just as a pastor, I think Brother Brandon would agree with me on this. It's It's not a powerful position at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think that's what people look at some of these positions in a church as, is, is a powerful position. But when I became a pastor, God really humbled me in, in many different ways, because even as a young man looking towards the fact that he had called me into the ministry to become a pastor and, and to lead in many different aspects within the churches that I served in, he still humbled me to that point where I had to understand that I was serving. Right. As I was leading, I was still serving. I'm, I'm a servant of God and I'm serving his church by leading them in spiritual matters, by presenting to them the scripture, by encouraging them to go out and preach the word of God and make more disciples of Christ. And and so it's not that, I gained some power. I just became a greater servant than I was before, because ultimately, if we're calling other people to servanthood under the banner of Christ, the people calling them should be greater servants overall, right? And so, so don't don't look at leadership as a political or powerful position within the church. Look at it as a servants' position where you first. Submit yourself to the will and the word of God and don't speak your own truths as the world might say, because our own truths are not really truths at all, because most of the time they contradict the word of God, which is the complete truth. So don't take these leadership positions lightly. And and th- this is a gift. the The ability to speak and to teach, those are gifts
0: that Absolutely. are given to
1: us. And so... Not everyone is called to be a teacher of some sort. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, that's what Paul says. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. And there's many other gifts that Paul talks about in that instance, but we see two gifts that are somewhat verbal, in a manner here and not everybody has that gift. It says for one is given and another is given. And and so it's not a gift that everyone has and it's not a role that everyone is called to. Right. And just like you said, brother, when it comes to taming the tongue, it shows great spiritual maturity to tame the tongue and that great spiritual maturity and that ability to tame the tongue only comes from a great submission to the will of God. You're not going to do it on your own. It's impossible. Right. Uh, In in fact, outside of Christ and, and even inside of Christ. Now I'm a Christian and there are times that I do not do well at taming the tongue. You know, everyone has it a little bit different, but maybe I get angry or something like that. And I have to really pull myself aside and submit myself to the will of God, or else I'm going to say something pretty stupid. And in fact, I, I've said this before, I've shared this story before on this podcast, but my wife, she used to be a cashier at the store, and one day I'll walk in there, and there's a guy in front of me, he's checking out everything, and I'm behind him, and I'm the next one to check out, I was just getting a couple little snacks, but this guy was being very rude to my wife. And I thank God that I have a wife that has submitted to the will of God as well, because I wasn't submitting to the will of God in that moment. I saw a guy disrespecting my (laughs) wife and I was ready to say something, man. I, I was I was heated. I was mad. She saw the look on my face and she looked up at me and she put her hand up and then put it down to let me know to calm down. And, and I had to take a step back for that moment. But had she not been there to remind me to submit to the will of God in that moment, I would have said something foolish. And you know what she told me afterwards is, you know, what would happen if you were trying to witness to him later?
0: Mm, wow. What
1: would happen if you invited him to church with us later? Would he have well, ever that's, listened that's to things. you? That stings. Right. And and so, what I could have said in that moment could have completely separated me from the ability to witness and lead this man to Christ or invite him, if he were a Christian, to worship and serve with us out there where we were serving at the time. And, and so it shows great spiritual maturity uh, when someone is able to tame the tongue because to tame the tongue, first one has to submit fully over to the will of God. But we continue on in James chapter 3, verse 3, through the middle of verse 5, and it says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member. Yet it boasts of great things. And the tongue, though it's small, is very similar to this bit or this rudder. But it has a large effect on everything around us. And I don't know about the listeners, where you're from overall. We have a lot of Kentuckians that listen to this. So if you're a Kentuckian, you probably know a lot about horses. And the average weight of an adult horse is is astounding. It's 930 pounds. That's the average weight. If you look at a miniature horse, a miniature horse is a hundred to 200 pounds. And so, you know, that's, I'm not going to throw my weight out there, but (laughs) I'm not too much past a miniature horse (laughs) or maybe I am. But (laughs) anyway, just thinking about these massive, massive animals, these massive horses, 930 pounds. But brother Brandon, do you know how much a a bit weighs? Probably a lot less than the actual horse. (laughs) Right. A lot less. It's about a pound and a half to two pounds. And so you have something 465 times smaller than a horse controlling this massive beast, a 930 pound horse. And that's, that's just the average weight. There are horses that go up to like 1500 pounds, man. And, and what controls these massive horses is a pound and a half to two pound bit. Mm. And so likewise, our tongue is, brought forth as being similar to this bit. It's, it's small. It doesn't seem like it could stand up to so many other things, but it's so much more destructive or it can even be so much more edifying at the same time in many different ways. It has a a bigger effect than you would ever think. Right. But your arms and your legs, they may be large and, and able to do some damage, but the tongue, though it doesn't punch or kick, what it does is it calls men to war. It causes them to do evil or to follow in righteousness. So we we don't need to underestimate the ability that our speech has here in this world. Proverbs chapter twelve, verse eighteen says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Mm. So there's, there's a way for the tongue to be something used for good. But a lot of times in our, our depravity, in our sinful human nature, we, we see it used a lot more for bad, but. It says that there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healings. Another proverb, Proverbs 15, verse two, it says, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. And so your tongue is a very important member of your body. Correct. To tame. And just like brother Brandon said a little bit earlier, I like how he put it, if you can tame the lion, then the kittens aren't really going mm-hmm. to be much to mess with. So I encourage right. you, as we're looking at this, not to underestimate the power of your speech and what what can be spoken out into this world. Because once you speak it out in this world, once you speak something and let it out, there's no way to take that back. It's out there, whether for good or for bad. So I encourage you to use your speech, to use your tongue for the glory of God. Brother Brandon, uh, do you have anything to share on verse 3 through 5 there?
0: Absolutely, but I want to comment on uh, a very insightful point you made earlier about how, yes, the tongue is depraved, it's part of us, and we're corrupted by sin, but it can still be used for so much good. Mm -hmm. And the illustration you gave earlier about, your wife working as a cashier is a perfect example of that. And we can all probably identify with a similar situation, but you know, in that moment you were tempted to use your speech as a sword thrust, right? Mm -hmm. As it said in the book of Proverbs there in chapter 12. Mm -hmm. And then your wife later on came along and used her speech, the speech of the wise, if you will, uh, to bring healing. And so, You know, while the tongue is, it can be rife with evil, it can also accomplish much good and it can be used for God's glory. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk much more about the positive uses of the tongue as we go further along in this passage. And we'll probably get into some of that in the next episode. But just a few more things to add there about these helpful analogies James gives us regarding the dominance and control of the tongue here. Again, he said that we put bits in the mouths of horses, and when we do that, they obey us, and we guide their whole bodies. And again, the point he's making here is the tongue is so small, it's so minute, we don't think it has much power. But if a bit can do that to a horse, then the tongue certainly has that kind of influential directive power over our whole bodies, over our whole lives, in fact. And actually, James makes that same point with another analogy in verse 4. He says, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And so again, he's making the same point here, saying that this whole big ship is controlled and directed by a little thing like a rudder. Right. You know, there's a lot of operational facets to a ship. You know, you've got the sail and the captain's helm and all these different things, but ultimately it's being controlled and directed and guided and all the direction is being determined by this little teeny tiny rudder. Mm -hmm. And James is saying also, likewise, the direction of our life's ship is controlled by the rudder behind our teeth. Wow. A lot of power to the tongue. And he concludes this, this uh, section anyway, in verse five saying, so also, here's the whole point. The tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Mm -hmm. Now, one additional point he makes here is in his saying that the tongue boasts of great things. He's saying even the tongue will tell you itself how wicked it is. It right. flaunts and vaunts its own destructive power. But in any case, the tongue is, can be very destructive. And we should really pray as often as we can with King David in Psalm 141, verse 3, where he said, Set a guard, O Lord. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That should really be our constant and unceasing prayer when it comes to our speech. Now, as we continue our discussion in the next episode, we're going to talk about some practical ways that we can bridle and tame our tongue. But I wanted to give you some encouragement before we conclude this episode today. You may be saying, man, I've really got a problem with my speech. You know, cultivating godly talk is really... Something I don't think I can attain. And I want to encourage you with this thought from Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6, this major prophet got a vision of God's glory. And when he beheld God in all his glory and holiness, he said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Wow, Isaiah the prophet, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, admitted that he had a problem with taming his tongue. He had a problem with cultivating godly speech. Mm -hmm. And what happens in that passage? Does God just leave him alone and say, yeah, you've got a problem, you're going to have to deal with it yourself? No, the scripture says that a seraphim, an angel, flew to him, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So God in his grace cleansed Isaiah and cleaned up his speech. And that's what we want to encourage you with today. Is if you have a problem with cultivating godly speech, if you have a problem with taming your tongue, come to the Lord God for cleansing. He Mm -hmm. won't turn you away and he hopefully won't take a burning coal and touch your lips with it. Oh yeah. But he will take the sting of conviction and his burning truth Mm -hmm. to clean your speech up so that you can use your tongue to glorify the Lord God.
1: Yeah. And one thing that that's always helped me as well, because uh, I am a very outspoken person. I will a lot of times let you know what's on my mind and honestly it wasn't until i got married and married such a wonderful woman as my wife who who's very solid in her faith uh, that i started to realize you know just how much my words could affect people in mm-hmm. a positive or negative way but i've learned something over the years And uh, this is a quote. I'm not exactly sure who says this. I think it was a president of some sort. That's what's popping up in my head. But have you ever heard this one, Brandon? It's um, better to stay silent and let people wonder if you're a fool than to open your mouth and let them know you're a fool. Mm, that's pretty good. I'm not <laughs> sure I, I who said that. Yeah. I can't remember who said that. So that's not me quoting that. That's if someone knows that, please message us. Let us know who said that. But
0: it sounds like Abraham Lincoln.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it is Abraham Lincoln that said that now that you say it. So anyway, uh, it, it's, it's better in any situation when, when you feel your head getting hot, don't say a word. Mm. When you don't understand what's going on around you, don't say a word. Sometimes it's better to just stay silent. Amen. And if you need to talk to someone in that moment, don't talk to the, the people around you, but just talk to God because God is going to guide you and give you the words that you need to speak. Right. Or even give you the understanding that now is the time to keep your mouth shut. I can't tell you how many times God just said, hey, why don't you... Uh, Why don't you shut your mouth right now, Chris? It's (laughs) it's not going to help you out in this situation. And and that's not a bad thing. It's not God being mean. It's knowing the effect that our words will have in that situation because God knows what's going to hurt and and what's going to heal. And if he knows that what we're going to say is is going to cause more chaos than good, then he's going to say, for lack of a better way to put it, just shut up. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) So... But I thank you, Brother Brandon, for recording this episode with me. I've greatly enjoyed it. I hope that you as our listeners have enjoyed this as well. But we thank you for joining us on the Faith 168 podcast. And Brother Brandon, if you don't
0: mind, if you have anything else to say, go ahead and say it and dismiss us in prayer. Sure. I want to encourage all of our listeners to listen to next week's episode, as we continue this discussion of taming the tongue. It's going to get even better, and we're going to talk about some really helpful ways that we can tame our tongue. So let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for this passage of Scripture that we've been privileged to study. And we thank you that um, you've created us with this ability to speak as a mirror and reflection of who you are, since you also um, are a one who speaks. You're a speaking God, one who has revealed yourself through speech, through your written word. Father, we are so unlike you, though, in so many ways. We have a tendency to use our speech for evil and for sin, and we just pray that you might forgive us of that and help us to tame the tongue and to cultivate godly speech. We do pray that you'd set a guard over our lips and that you'd help us to glorify you in everything we say. Again, we thank you, and we pray, God, you might continue to bless us. We pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen.
1: Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, Message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page and we will see you in 168 hours.